Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Consuming the Craft Podcast. With me is a stalwart of the Craft Beverage Institute, my right-hand man, my salt to my pepper, John Lyda. Is that like salt and pepper? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's my That's my jam. Yeah, it, it is my jam too. Uh, so you haven't been on the podcast in a while and I figured we're getting a lot of good uh, questions this semester from the new cohort and of course the second years uh, coming back. And one of the questions I got the other day is, I've had vodka, but what does actually ethanol taste like? It depends. And it really does because it, it you know... People cook with vodka and they're like, well, it's, you know, doesn't have any flavor. What are they doing? Well, it's ethanol is an organic solvent. It's pulling things and flavors and marrying things, liquefying them and doing all sorts of crazy chemistry. And so the the, the cool thing that we did today, and I thought we had a fun time, uh, is we took two bottles of identical wine and I put one through the Rotovap and I pulled the ethanol out of it so that they could taste basically a non-alcoholic wine. Okay, so what's a Rotovap for people that don't know? <laughs> uh, so it's a rotary evaporator. So I basically distilled the ethanol out of the wine under a vacuum. So it lowers the boiling point of the ethanol to the point where I'm not like cooking or changing really the chemistry of the wine, which is important. So you get more of the aromas out of it. Well, I would say that... And flavors too, I guess. I, I would say that we don't change the wine as much as we would do uh, traditional distillation with heat. Mm-hmm. And we were not, uh, you know, we're not creating... We're trying to keep the chemical compounds in the wine exactly the same by just pulling it out under a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And so I did that with this wine. And then they just tasted it. Uh, and the... What was the reaction? I don't know. Because I, I, I was doing forklift stuff. Yeah, so. you, you were doing forklift training. And uh, the funny thing about it is in, making a non-alcoholic wine taste good is is uh, is a feat. I mean, the things that balance and flavor and, and components of the wine. So ethanol would have like a cooling numbness. It would almost have like a spiciness. It would, you know, depending on how mm-hmm. you're drinking and what you're drinking it in. And so the way it marries the flavors together in a wine, the acidity and the tannin, that bite in the side of your face Mm -hmm. is always, always very interesting. So take your first glass because we're going to do, yeah, we're going to do this. Well, I say live, but I mean, recording. This one, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. (laughs) This is the non-alcoholic wine. So this is the non-alcoholic wine. Okay. So this is that same, the wine in the second glass is going to be exactly the same. It's just going to be with the alcohol in it. Mm, Smells delish. It still smells like wine, but... Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. Yeah, very... Uh, mm-hmm. Tannic. Very. Uh, very acidic. Acetic almost. Kind of gets you back here. No, it uh, hits you towards... right right on the side of the face. Yeah. And now if you take that and then compare it to the wine itself with the ethanol still in it. Now, this was at 13.5%. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, comparing these two things side by side is awesome. I mean, it's really kind of a cool experiment. Let me get a little bit of water here. Mm-hmm. Because the ethanol, for me, and let me let me sniff my armpit. I mean, arm. <laughs> uh, it, it, and so the ethanol for me will bring out more of like uh, the sweetness, the jamminess. Uh, uh, there's like a black crushed pepper in there, and it, it you know just the way that that ethanol has helped expressing some of the flavors. Now, the juice without the ethanol, I mean, they're two really different things. Yep, I get that. Um, uh, also, the heat. Yeah. Uh, you get the heat uh, that also helps with it. This, this is another reason why non-alcoholic beer is such a hard thing to do. It is. It's, it, you know, in, in we we worked with a company this summer uh, to try to develop some things uh, on the non-alcoholic side. And, you know, just the emulation of that heat 
that the ethanol brings to balance out the sweetness and the bitterness of the hops mm -hmm. is is a trick. I mean, mm -hmm. there's things you can add and things you can kind of take away, but uh, and and the technology's gotten a lot better, right? Oh, definitely. So so the beers have gotten mm -hmm. a lot better. I mean, when you, can, you start talking thin film mm -hmm. evaporation, uh, well, and uh, limitation in the fermentation, and yep. you know, you're using all these techniques together to create this. Uh, this non-alcoholic products. And so there are some some decent non-alcoholic wines out in the marketplace, uh, specifically when we're talking, you know, the the Sober Curious movement and Sober October, Dry July, Dry Jan uh, dry January. And so there are, are no, options. No drink November. No Really? Dry December. <laughs> I just made those up. I just made those up. Yeah, you should coin that. You got to trademark that now. Okay. Sorry. Be, I mean, so the last glass uh, is actually 32% ABV. It is the, I've taken the brandy out, or basically it's brandy because so it comes this from is the, wine. the results of the Rotovap. Yeah, so this is the distillate coming out. I watered it down to 32%, so it's a little bit uh, easier to kind of smell. But just out of curiosity, what was the full strength before you watered it down? A lot more. Okay. <laughs> In other words, you didn't take it. No, I didn't drink it. Um, I mean, you didn't test it no i did i had to water it down so i used filtered water to get it down to 32 percent. so you could i mean if it, if it, was, it was when it came off the rotovap was super high it was super hot so you wouldn't be able to taste anything uh, anyway that's a good brandy mm -hmm. i like that you still get the grape in it yeah i thought it was really really good yeah I, and, and there's almost like a hint of i mean this this cab that we we basically distilled was it had to have been asian oak because you get some of that oaky tannin mm -hmm. in the uh the brandy as well mm-hmm I think it's, I really enjoy the brandy mm -hmm. more than I did the wine for sure. I, but I think I agree with you. Yeah. Anyway, it's always just kind of a neat uh, sensory experience uh, to see what the kids ask. And then, you know, I, I've done this before and, and I apologize to some of the cohorts where I didn't have the opportunity to uh, to run it through the Rotovap and, and get this kind of an idea of what the ethanol does to, well, that, uh, the fla as a flavor component. That Rotovap is relatively new. Well, for our program, it is. And, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, as we diversify some of the things that not only we're teaching, but we, we get new, we get toys. new toys. Yeah, we yeah. do. We do. And we've got a couple new ones. Um, another one coming on the way in theory. So we'll see. We'll see as we keep, uh, keep evolving and keep moving forward, mm -hmm. uh, with being a nerd. That's <laughs> what, that's what I love about this job. Yeah. We get to play. But honestly, yeah. And it's funny, like, we look at each other and we go, what do you want to drink? Uh, I don't know. What's a style that they haven't made in a while? Yeah. Or what, you know, like, oh, make this a dunkle. And that's that's what's really uh, cool about working with some of these companies around here mm -hmm. is, you know, we, uh, of course, we sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. Uh, but we <clears throat> we get to play around with new stuff. We really do. And it's a lot of fun. And so we, we, you know, we were focused, yeah, the Craft Beverage Institute, we do have the curriculum side, we're teaching students. That's where this kind of experiment comes from. But through the Craft Beverage Institute and the community outreach and some of the other things that we do is to, to support the local breweries, wineries, distilleries, cideries. You know, we do got to, yeah. uh, you know, we get and, to dabble a little bit. And, and, and the students get the benefit of that because they're part of that experiment. Yeah, that's kind of cool when uh, a sensory panel comes in and then, you know, there is a... A local distillery that uh, made a coffee liqueur that uh, the students were really involved with picking the you know the final recipe. Mm -hmm. They took uh, took all that data, compiled it, and it wasn't just the student. I mean, they they got a lot of public uh, feedback as well. But uh, it was the one that the students liked the most is the one that went to basically into production. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to see where everything has evolved. I don't know about you, but I love my job. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
It, it yeah. is. It really is yeah, a lot of fun. It is. I mean, you and I are drinking brandy and talking on mics. Yeah. It's kind of a strange situation. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, what do you think's the next next big thing? Or have you had a student ask you a question that you're like, man, I hadn't thought about that in years. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it's no. Okay. Um, and uh, no. Uh, so they ask those questions as well. And uh, to be honest, I think, and we covered this in uh, a class just recently, is I think people are tired of these or are getting tired of these really crazy stuff and going more towards the center. So more towards traditional styles. Well, and, and, uh, and you Pilsner, yeah. you know, things like that. But, but a Pilsner that is a Pilsner. Yes. Like they're trying yeah, to brew. Without all the crazy stuff. Brew to style. Because that is a, a, a true Pilsner is very, very difficult as a brewer to brew. And it's such a and brilliant beer when it's it done is, right. It is. It's and I think so that's good. what people are starting to realize. Um, now, of course, there's always going to be the hazies and there's always going to be IPAs. Well, and it, there's always going to be, you know, uh, a lot of fruited beers and things like that because there still is a market for that. 100%. But I think, I think the consumers are kind of drifting more towards the center. And I think that as the consumer is getting more educated – Right. In the craft beer industry, right. they're, they're appreciating, you know, stylistically, they're kind of honing in on, on what they want. Right. And, you know, some of the trends that I've seen are uh, low ABV, yep. kind of sessional. Low ABV, non-alcoholic. And it's non-alcoholic very, was a big deal. Yeah. It's very yeah. interesting that we're trying this non-alcoholic yeah. because uh, that's also uh, something that is, I think, is going to be uh, starting to get more popular as as the industry starts dialing in uh, flavor-wise and uh, body-wise and profile-wise uh, a non-alcoholic beer that tastes like an alcoholic beer. Yeah. I think that's going to be very important because people are starting to realize, you know, a DUI is lots of money. <laughs> it's Lots expensive. of money. And it you just bet. doesn't make sense. No, and it, it's, it's not safe. It's not, I mean... With Lyft and Uber, there's so mm -hmm. many options to get home safe if you've right. if you've overindulged or, or had one too many, and that and that's this you know the scary thing about it too is like I could sit at a bar and I could have one of these giant beers, right? Something mm -hmm. nine, eleven, twelve, you know, all the way up to like fifteen percent, mm -hmm. and it just it, you know there's a time and place for those beers, a hundred percent. And it, there's certainly a challenge to brew something that strong mm -hmm. and get it to ferment out cleanly and do all the things that you need to do with no, they're it. They're a lot of fun to brew. The hundred percent. I mean, you you look at the grain bills and you start to giggle. Yeah, because you're like, I don't know if it's gonna fit or, or the multiple yeast. Uh, yeah, the the, yeah. the by yeah. yeah, maybe even the tertiary you know fermentation that you need yep. for yep. a champagne yeast to finish it off. But you know those those beers have a time and place. But you certainly can't you know drink an eight ounce class of that and think that you're going to be able to drive home with any reasonable mm -hmm. assimilation. I mean, any, you know. Yeah, that's the kind of, you uh, you have a fire pit and you drink those with your buddies. and Yeah, you, you know, no one's going anywhere. Yeah. You drink them on your couch, you drink yeah. them by the fire pit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I would do fire pit, not couch. I'd rather I wouldn't put pit. the couch in the fire. I wouldn't not not if yeah. it's an old yeah. couch, I guess. Yeah, that's bad for the environment. A hundred percent it is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think... I think that also uh, the non-alcoholic is one that's going to be um, people starting to focus more because they're they're starting to get much 
more approachable. Uh, you know, back in the uh, 80s, 90s, things like that, when they first started coming out, uh, they were almost undrinkable. They were pretty bad. Yeah. They, I mean, it, it they was, were so metallic and, and cloyingly sweet. Yeah, very sweet. Yeah. And I think now they're starting to realize that, uh, especially with some of the hop extracts that you can put in um, to get that uh, aromas, that, yeah, aromas and flavors yeah, and things balance like that the to, bitterness. Help, to, help, to help out with the bitterness and everything. Yeah. Um, as far as the the you know this this is a, this brandy is a really good example of that as far as trying to get the same experience yeah. with yeah, alcohol yeah, yeah. is going to be difficult yep but they are finding ways uh to get that kind of heat well in um, you know it's always um the byproducts of the yeast metabolism create a lot of flavors mm-hmm. uh for these products so even in even in a, like a short fermentation and then going through another process i mean they're they're you know they're looking at it uh, chemically and then figuring out process to build back to those flavors, mm-hmm. which I think is really And that, that really road cool. of app comes into play it, with that as well, because 100%. you pull that alcohol out and you still keep a lot of the and you can, flavors you, and aromas you in can there. You can separate some of those aromas too from the, the what you're pulling out at right. that point and add them back in. Right. So it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's definitely movement in that. And I, I, I enjoy the classic styles. Uh, I kind of gravitate towards, uh, you know, I, I drink more seasonally. I mean, in the fall, I'll drink Martin's Oktoberfest, Fest beers. I don't know, just that time of year when the leaves are changing down here in Asheville, North Carolina, and you just, you have that subtle maltiness in the background of that beer. And then over the winter, I want something a little more satiating. Mm-hmm. Uh, spring, just the opposite. I want something lighter, crisp. Uh, summer, the same way. So it's... it's you, you know what I find? Uh, there's a beer that transcends all time and all seasons. <laughs> And that would be Coors Light. Yeah, I know you're a big I'm not, Coors Light fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not pushing those guys, but yeah. No, no, I mean, you had a great experience at Coors. Yeah. I mean, they, the first of all, the brewery is beautiful. Yeah. And it was immaculate. Yeah. And that's there's something to be said about going to, through some of these places that can produce millions, literally millions of gallons of very, very consistent product mm-hmm. uh, and keep it very, very clean. Yeah. Uh, props off. I know a lot of <clears throat> a lot of folks uh, that get into all these exotic beers and things like that. Um, basically, poo poo uh, the big guys, and I'm going to tell you right now, they produce all over the world mm-hmm. with ingredients that are completely different. They because really, they yeah. have to, they have to buy different. stuff local. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, that's you know part of the the contracts with those co- with those countries is they have to use so much of the local ingredients before they can actually get into barley and yeah. uh, things like that. And somehow they make that same profile. Yeah, with, that same with flavor. All yeah. that stuff. Um, and if you think it about is, all those- it is it is very impressive that they can keep that consistency. Yeah. Now I know people say, well, there's nothing in it but water. Well, no, there's there's more in it than water. <laughs> I mean, you know, it it really is very, very technical. 100%. And it is very difficult. Um so it, the, my, the, uh, props off props props to those guys hats off to those guys what uh, i always for say keeping is keeping the consistency what i always say is not only consistency but those it's not those it's not that those beers are devoid of flavor and if there was any off flavor in any of those products mm-hmm. 
it's going to come to the forefront. You're going to taste it. Yeah. I mean, we taste it parts per trillion. Yeah. There's no way to hide anything because no, they are so to hide behind. So, you know, a challenge to uh, listeners is uh, if, if you think that it's all the same and it's really close to water, get four or five light beers and uh, have a friend. A, a pour them in a red have solo a, cup. Have a friend. Uh, pour it blind. Yes. And, and then, then try to tell me which ones they are. Yeah. Try to tell you. Uh, Exactly. Which remember, one is which? I remember we did this last semester. Well, we do. I, I in sensory, yeah, I, t- all I the typically time. try to do this. Yes. Um, now, I remember you did it with malt liquor last semester. Yeah. And I do a lot of malt liquor ones. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, you know, light beers, things like that. Yeah. That uh, people people poo-poo because they say, oh, this is this is so easy to brew. Well, it's not. No. It no it's not. just the opposite as far yeah. as brewing. It is probably one of the hardest styles of beer to brew. Yeah. I, I really think that. I mean, just being trying to manipulate those ingredients, and you yeah. think about all the variables that go into it. It's yeah, it, it in the mm. consistency, and, the, and then and anybody that uh, says it's really easy to brew, I challenge you to brew one. Yeah, an America, a traditional American light lager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I challenge you to brew one. And uh, great, it turned out five gallons at and, a time. And then send it to us here at the <laughs> CBI, and we will judge it. <laughs> That goes with whiskey as well. I mean, uh, what did you say? Wait, what did I hear? <laughs> no, it's it's funny when you talk uh, sensory analysis and in this, I, I really like this, you know, removing the, the ethanol from, yeah. you know, the same two bottles coming from the same, you know, the same lot, same, you know, basically they're the same thing. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see, you know, the reaction is like, well, it, it's kind of like grape juice, but it's not. It, it's really acidic. It's tannic. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's been aged for a while, and then you remove some of that roundness, some of the mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, the aromatic compounds that are attached uh, to some of this stuff. It's it just it leaves uh, a hole in it. It does. It it really really does. And then trying to with beer, wine, you know, even spirits and and some of these other non alcoholic things that are coming out, filling that hole. How do you do that? How do you emulate uh, the trigeminal sense and some of these other things that mm-hmm. that ethanol and and some of these other things do? So it's mm-hmm. uh, good luck to everybody out there trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm willing to, I mean, we, we're always trying to figure out, uh, new things to kind of challenge the students with. So, mm-hmm. uh, if anybody's listening and, and wants us to give something a try, we can, we can certainly incorporate that into the curriculum hundred percent. And, um, if you think of anything that you would like to, for us to try, uh, email me at J E F F R E Y M I R V I N at the at sign abtech.edu. And uh, we will try to track it down and, and uh, be happy to try to do some sensory analysis on it um, on the mics. Because, I mean, for me, this is just another excuse to drink at work. For the children. If it's for the students, really. It's oh, not, I, yeah, I shouldn't say children. No. Because everybody has to be 21. Well, and actually, the mean age of the program now is 30. Really? Yeah. I did not realize that. Yeah. And, and we've had everyone um, from students turning 21 the first day to... You know, a student over 70, yeah. uh, students with PhDs, all the way down to student a master's degrees, four-year degrees, no degrees. Uh, it's kind of an eclectic group of folks. So we'll see uh, what we do uh, moving on to the future. Uh, thanks for uh, showing up to work today. <laughs> I was like, thanks for stopping by, but you're here all the time. <laughs> no, I, 
<laughs> this is what I enjoy. Yeah. No, I get it. And thanks to Danny McConnell from McConnell Farms for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks once again, Danny, for everything that you do. And thanks for the cider donuts, which uh, John is finding out now that I ate all. All Wait. right. Cheers, everybody. Wait, what? What?